no idea that Randall Rona was such a bully. So deceiving, isn't it? Didn't, didn't look like he was the kind that would go around hurting people, but uh, his parents must be so proud of him. <laughs> we have been talking these last weeks about community, and uh, we are now past the halfway mark in our campaign. And I've been hearing some really wonderful stories about what God has been doing in the various small groups. And um, on March the 22nd, so Sunday, March 22nd, we're going to have a celebration Sunday. We're going to share some of the stories that, uh, that we've been hearing. And maybe uh, something special has happened in your life since you have entered into a small group. We want to hear about that. And um, if you want, just drop an email to us at the church at info, info at crosschurch.ca. And uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to tell your story because it just encourages so much. So here's the thing, folks. This morning, uh, I want to just begin by saying that God never intended that you fulfill your purpose all alone. How many know that God's got a purpose for your life? That you have a purpose. You're not here on this, on this earth by accident. That person beside you is not here on this earth by accident. Look at that person beside you. Do they look like an accident to you? <laughs> do, that, do they look like they were in an accident to you? <laughs> okay, don't say anything. You're here for a purpose. God built you for a reason. And God wants to use you. And here's the thing, folks. God uses you when you are functioning in the context of the family of God. God made you for community. That's the way you've been wired. You don't know it. You think that you prefer to be all alone. You prefer to walk alone. But you were made for community. You were made for fellowship. You are made for relationship. We, we, we read about it, didn't we, in, Gal- uh, Galatians, in Genesis chapter 3. And God said it's not good for man to... It's okay for women to be alone, but it's not good... For, no, it doesn't say that. It's not good for us to be alone. God knows that. And uh, so we want to talk about that today. What does it mean to serve God together? What does it mean to serve people, to serve our world together? Now, here's the thing. God created you so that you would make a contribution in your life. I've told you this before. I attended at many, many funerals. And some funerals, there's just not enough time to to share all the good news and all the, all the achievements and all the things that that person has done. And, and, uh, and other funerals, nobody's got anything to say. What a tragic thing, folks, for you to come to your end of your life and you've made no contribution. You've not made a difference in anybody's life. You haven't made a difference at all. God has created you to put something back, to give something back, to use your talents, your abilities, your background, your experiences. Some of you have got have got some fantastic experiences. Some of you have got some horrendous experiences. And I want you to know something, folks. God wants to use all of your experiences for his glory and honor. I know of people who, who have been through very difficult times. And because they've been willing to be vulnerable and share the heartache and the pain that they've been through, it's actually helped other people. God wants to use your life, such as it is, to be a blessing to others. He wants to use your experience, your time, your energy. Now, whenever you use your talents to help somebody else for God's name, we call that ministry. 
Some people think that that only people who've been to Bible school, who've been ordained, are ministers. But I want you to know something. Everybody here today, if you're a Christian, is a minister. Not everybody here is a pastor. There's a big difference between a minister and a pastor. A pastor's got a specific role, a specific gifting, and he fulfills his gift. Just as somebody who's a musician. Not everybody is a singer. Some people think they're singers. They really shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's very painful for the rest of us. <laughs> but we all have gifts. And each of us, when we use our gifts, when we use our talents, our skills, we actually are ministering to one another. We're ministering as unto God. Now, here's the thing, folks. This life, I don't know if you know this or not, you've heard me say it before, but this life is a preparation for heaven. This life is a preparation for eternity. Because when you get to heaven, you're going to be serving God for all of eternity. Some of you think, oh, no, I thought when we get to heaven, man, it's going to be uh, umbrellas and and uh, virgin margaritas and sitting at the beach and just relaxing. On the... No, that's not heaven. That'll get very boring after a few weeks. If you understood the nature of serving, then you would say, yeah, that sounds exciting. That sounds thrilling. Eternity is all about serving God. Now, here's the thing. And in heaven, you're going to serve God. But how do you do it here on earth? How do you serve God? Well, you can't serve God here on earth. But you can serve God by serving each other. That's the thing. So the way that you and I are going to serve God is by serving each other. And you can't serve God unless you serve one another. God says, I want you to do it in community and in relationship to others. And so I said, well, why do I have to serve with anybody else? And why can't I just serve God on my own? And, and uh, why can't I just be a lone ranger? How many know that lone rain, the lone ranger, even he had Tonto? You can't do it alone. You cannot make any kind of significant difference in this world alone. In fact, you cannot have a meaningful, happy life all alone. God wants you to serve community. Now, here's the thing. If you want, if you want an amazing marriage, anybody here want an amazing marriage? You want to have an amazing family, a fantastic family. You want to have a great work environment. If you want to have great friendship, if you want to belong to a great fellowship and a great church, then here's what we got to do. Look at, look at the apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi. By the way, Philippi is a, it's an actual place that you can go to in Greece. And there's a church there. And this is what he wrote to the church there. He said, would you read that with me? Agree with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. Now, there's three things, folks, that you and I need to do if we're going to have amazing relationships. How many want to have amazing relationships? If you don't want to have amazing relationships, then you're not going to have an amazing life. Your life is going to be pretty, pretty dull, pretty dead, pretty boring, pretty useless. God wants your life to count. And here's how you're going to do it. And we're going to talk about these this morning. You're going to agree with each other. You're going to love one another. You're going to work together. I want to show you a little video clip. It's very brief. And um, it's, a, it's a commercial created by the Bank of Turkey. Anybody heard of the Bank of Turkey? You're going to see a, a, a sickle and a star. That's not communist. That's just Turkey. And, um, and for those of you, Turkey is a country, actually. I've been there. And... Um, what they've done is they've created a commercial 
to show you what happens when people work together. So what you're going to see is hundreds of people working together and doing some amazing things. And I want this to be a metaphor for you so that you understand what difference you can make in this world when you work together. You ready to go, Scotty? Let's go. Now, I've been to Turkey, and that's what they do on the streets there all the time. It's a <laughs> God's called us to work together. Wow, amazing things can happen when people decide they're going to work together. And here's what you got to do. The first thing you got to do, if you're going to have amazing relationships, amazing church, amazing smoke, you gotta, you got to agree together. you got to find a way to agree together. Look what it says in Romans 12, 5. Each of us, can you read that with me? Each of us finds our meaning and function. Just stop there for a minute. Each of us, listen to this, each of us finds our meaning and our function, our reason to exist, our purpose. Each of us finds our meaning and function altogether now as a part of Christ's body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Now, in case you're wondering what Bible that's from, that's from the message version, Romans 12:5. We find our meaning and our function in the body of Christ. One of my favorite subjects in high school was biology. And I had a, an amazing biology teacher who, um, who understood how important it was to teach biology in a way that, that we could relate to it. And he began to explain, and I remember this clearly, the very first thing I remember is he began to explain the way the kidneys work. Now, I wouldn't presume to stand up here and tell you how the kidneys work. I could, I'd do it privately, maybe. I'd let, I'd let Dr. Shane do that, but, um, I was absolutely amazed at the way God had created us. It says in the Psalms that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, it's no coincidence then that in the New Testament, Jesus chooses to reveal himself and his church as a body. Now, here's the thing. When the body is working at its, at its full potential, when it's working in a healthy way, it's a wonderful thing to behold. What happens, folks, when disease hits the body? Some of you know that I've got arthritis. And this week, Martha, I don't know about you, but I have been in horrible pain. You too? You know, it's been terrible. I don't know. Uh, no, I better not get into that right now. But... My fingers are deformed. They've been hurting. It's something terrible. You know what it is? 
I'll tell you what happens. Is that your body internally starts disagreeing with itself. Does it sound schizophrenic? Well, it is. My body's attacking itself. Does that sound bizarre? That's exactly what it is. It's an autoimmune deficiency, an autoimmune problem. I don't understand all that. Again, Dr. Shane could tell us all about that. You can ask him in the foyer later. But here's the thing. It starts attacking itself. The body is now disagreeing with itself. It's not in agreement. I'm going to tell you, every disease that your body experiences is a breakdown. The body starts disagreeing with itself. It's not working in agreement. The cells are not in agreement. The body systems are not in agreement. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. Because you know what? Any marriage that is in in trouble, any family that's in trouble, any work environment that's in in trouble, you're going to find that there is disagreement taking place. And there's a refusal on behalf of one or two parties to agree. And listen to this. The sooner we discover how important the people are around us, the sooner we are going to be living a healthy life. Does that make sense? The sooner you recognize how precious and how special your spouse is, the sooner you're going to have a happier life. Each of us, as individuals, have a personal stake in the healthiness of the people around us. And, and the way that that happens, my friends, is by learning to agree with each other. If you, listen, if, you, if you've got relationship problems right now, if, you, if they've broken down, the first thing you need to, to, to examine is whether or not you've got some agreement or disagreement issues. Have you allowed a disease into your relationships, into your marriage, your family, your small group? Have you allowed cancer to set in? If I have cancer up here in my body, my, my toe can't say, oh, it has nothing to do with me. It's far away from me. It's not going to affect me. I mean, how stupid would that be? Just a matter of time if left untreated. And I'm a dead man. It's just a matter of time before those toes are dead. I'm telling you, every one of us is important. And God wants us to understand that. And that's why he uses this fantastic analogy of the body. We're all different parts. Some of you are hands, some of you are foot. I find that most people want to be the mouth. <laughs> I tell everybody what to do, where to do it, and how to do it. But the fact is, we're all part of the body. We're, and if any part of us is disconnected from God's family, then we don't have a whole lot of relevance. We've got a pawn shop across the street. Can you imagine if I went over there and said, you know what? I've got two perfectly good ears. I only need one. Uh, I'm going to, I'd like to pawn one of my ears off. I need some cash. If I cut that sucker off and put it on the, on the desk, what do you think is going to pay me for that ear? <laughs> Probably going to call the cops and get, get my tail out of there. Uh, an ear disconnected from the body, folks, is just downright gross. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. You on your own, disconnected from the body, just downright gross. Pastor, I didn't come to church to be insulted like that. Folks, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm trying to help you understand how important it is for you to learn to function in the body within the family of God. Because that's where you get your significance. And that's where your, where your purpose is fulfilled. And that's where you find, as we said in that passage, that's where we find meaning and function. I got ten good fingers, ten good toes. Well, my finger's a little bit crooked. I went to the pawn shop. I wouldn't try to pawn the crooked ones. I wouldn't get much for that one. <laughs> I pointed at my kids. They don't know which one I'm pointing to. It's because it, they go in different directions. I can't, I can't cut off one of my digits and say, what do you give me for that one digit? Give me nothing. 
because it's useless on its own. But connected to my body, folks, it's got meaning and function. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. You have meaning and function within the body of Christ. And that's why we invite you to get involved in small, small groups. So, folks, you need to learn how to agree with each other. And if you're in the middle of a disagreement, don't get all mad and take your marbles and go home. That's useless. It doesn't help anything. Don't cut, cut your finger off because you, it's annoying you. Oh, man, I felt like cutting this finger off, Martha. It's been hurting me like crazy, this joint. But my wife says it looks better on than off. So it stays. Some of us are ridiculous. We'll cut off our nose to spite our face. You need to find your place in the body. And you need to learn. You need to learn how to agree. Folks, we've got little kids and we've watched them grow up. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest jobs, if you're a parent here today, you know this. One of the biggest jobs of a parent is to teach the children how to what? How to get along. How to agree. How not to be self-centered. That's what we're talking about this morning. The second thing that the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to do is we need to love one another. You say, oh, Pastor, you're not going to talk about this again. We hear about this all the time, loving one another. Okay, just calm down here. Don't, don't have a fit on me. Look at, look at the Scripture says. Would you read it with me? I have told you this. Are you with me? We're a choir here. Ready? One, two, three. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, here's the thing, my friends. Jesus is talking about the joy of life. And the French call it what? Joie de vivre. Am I saying that right? I'm not a Frenchman, but I'm not saying it right. I looked it up, by the way. I went to the pronunciation guide on the Internet, so I think I'm saying it fairly well. But if you're French, I'll stand to be corrected. (laughs) We'll learn to agree here, okay? Jesus is talking about the joy of life. Now, the joy de vivre is this, my friends. It's, it's a philosophy where you learn to get joy from whatever you do. Joy in conversation, joy in eating, uh, joy in fellowship, joy in just about everything. It's a way of life that they're talking about here. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is saying that your joy will never be complete. You'll never know joy until you learn to love each other. You show me somebody who's cranky, who's miserable, and maybe that's you today, I don't know. Maybe they're just always grumpy. And I'll show you somebody, because of the lack of joy, tells me that, that there's somebody that they're not loving. There's somebody you're holding a grudge against. Who are you holding a grudge against today? Who are you angry at? Maybe you came here hopping mad at your wife. She made you wait in the car while you got all the ki- well, she got all the kids ready. You honked the horn, boy, and that helped her hurry up, didn't it? If you're cranky and miserable, I think probably we could trace it back to one thing. There's somebody that you're mad at. There's somebody you're holding a grudge towards. Or maybe you're just downright self-centered. You're just living for yourself. Listen to me. People who give, people who share, people who love others, people who reach out and care about other people, are people who are joyful. They're the happiest people. Now you'd think this, and this is one of the great paradoxes in Scripture, but you would think this, you would think that if if I get everything my way and I get to do what I want to do, and if everybody serves me, then I'm going to be happy. It never works. 
But the minute you start reaching out to others and you start caring about others and you start sharing and you start giving, then suddenly joy comes into your life in a way that you, that you never imagined it would. This is why, my friends, at the beginning of this campaign, one of the first things we asked you to do is we asked you to find somebody in the church and as a group show appreciation to that person. And one of the people in our small group happened to be one of the recipients of kindnesses, and not just from one group, but I think from two or three. And man, that made a difference in their life when people showed them how much they loved them. But can I tell you this? Love is a verb. It's something that you do. I get people come to me all the time and say, Pastor, I think our marriage is over. We don't feel anything for anybody, for each other anymore. We don't, we don't feel the, the there's, no, there's no zip and no excitement in her. And I don't think that we're in love anymore. And I'm going to say this. Who told you, who told you that love was just a feeling? My Bible does not tell me that love is a feeling. My Bible tells me that love is something that you do. And so the very first thing that you need to do if you're having marriage problems right now is you need to stop being so self-centered. And if you want to love each other and you want to have loving feelings, start serving each other. (laughs) Hallelujah! That's what you need to do. Don't wait for your wife to say, take out the crash man, the trash man well. The crash man well. Just do it on your own. And don't wait for your wife to say, please clean up your socks and your pants and all the clothes that you left on the floor. Don't wait. And start to serve each other. Start to show each other that you care by the things that you do. Now, I'm going to tell you, if, if, if you don't have joy in your life, and you, your relationships are on rocky ground, and, and, and things are not good between you and other people, and you've got relationship issues, I can guarantee that your problem is that you're selfish. That's the problem. You don't get along with the people you work with? Stop being so selfish. You say, Pastor, but you don't know who I'm working with. He is such a J-E-R-K. Do they have that... Do they have that word over there, Manuel, where you came from? Do they, jerk. You got that word. <laughs> if you don't have the word, you got those kind of people, right? So what do you do? What do you do with people that you're struggling with? I'm going to tell you what you do. Do you love them by serving them, by being kind to them, by doing nice things? Send them a card. Send them a, a voicemail. Send them a text message. Say, I just want you to know I appreciate you. Don't lie. But tell them, think of something. And you know, my experience is that you could, pro- if you really work hard enough, you could come up with something to say nice to a person that is the truth. If you work at it. And so, boy, sometimes you really gotta work at it. There's, I mean, I, I've seen it. Sometimes it's really difficult. But you know what? If you've got relationship issues, you're not, you're not getting along with people. People don't, don't, you seem to always be having a fight with somebody or you're always having issues with people, then probably you're the problem. Do the arithmetic here. There's a common denominator. You're struggling, and it's maybe it's you. And you say, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're being self-centered. You know, How do I change that, Pastor? You know what? I, I, I could put you on the couch, and we could talk about your childhood and your upbringing and why things were the way they were and, and your self-esteem and, and your, your weight and your, the looks that God gave you and your hair color or the lack of hair. I'm not looking at anybody here. But your, 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 your issue, 
I can tell you, and I'm not, I'm not a great counselor because I just like tell you what you need to hear and that's it. You're selfish. Stop being selfish. Stop being self-centered. Start caring for people. Start loving people. Don't always be the one who says, oh, I'm so glad somebody brought donuts to work today. You bring the donuts for a change. Manuel, I want you to sit right here. This is great. <laughs> Bring some cookies to work. Don't always be the one that, that's a taker. Be the giver. I'm telling you, the happiest... <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But this is why you come to church, because you don't want to hear stuff for the natural mind. You want to hear things of the Spirit. If you want to be happy, serve. If you want to be happy, Give. If you want to be happy, open your wallet and you take the bill once in a while. You know, I've got, I've got friends. I, I'm not going to mention names here, but every time I go for coffee, I always make it a point to offer to pay. And there's, I got some friends, I always end up paying. Now, I'm not, I'm not nursing a graduate, dirty, I'm keeping track here. No. But there's others that, boy, they, they, they'll keep, they'll put up a fight, man. There's no way I'm paying. Does anybody know what I'm talking about that? It's always, it's always interesting to watch the dance over the paycheck. Who's going to get this one? Listen, my friends. Next time you are in a restaurant and you're fighting over the check, make sure you get that check. Even if it means drawing blood, but make sure you get <laughs> I'm telling you, you really, you watch what happens. Your, your relationships will be revolutionized. It, at night... You're in bed and your wife says, uh, did you hear that? It sounds like someone left the TV on. And you're on the second floor now. You're snug in bed and you don't want to get up. You say, I don't hear a thing, dear. What you're saying is you want her to go down and, do, and get that TV turned off. Just get up and do it, husbands. In fact, the fights that you have in your house should be over who gets to serve whom. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. You start doing that, you don't need to go to marriage counseling, folks. You're going to have a fantastic marriage. Start serving and loving each other. And Jesus says, you're going to have such great joy. You know what? I've watched, I've watched it time and again where, where couples start loving each other again by doing kind things for each other. And their, their marriages are revolutionized and come to life. They're in love. They're holding hands. They're staring at each other. Just get sick. But they start they're kissing each other. Man, they love each other. I've seen lives, marriages, families transformed because people begin to understand that the joy of life is in loving and serving others. There's nothing else. It's not about you. Contrary to what you might be hearing on TV from other preachers or, or, or motivational speakers, it's not about you. And the sooner you learn that, the sooner you're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the Christian life. There's one third thing that, that the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth. He says, you've got to work together. You've got to start working together. I mean, it's a given, right? We talked about, uh, about loving each other, and we, we talked about agreeing together. Well, the, the, next, the next natural step is start working together. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes. Can you read that with me? Two are... Because together, they can work more effectively. Listen. 
If you're going to work together as part of the team, then you're going to have to learn how to agree and how to love. And once you start learning to love and learning to agree, then you will do some amazing things. I've asked, um, uh, we talked to Larry and Lee Linklater. They're part of a small group that's doing amazing things. I asked them if they'd like to speak, and she volunteered him. So, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, Larry, to come on up here real briefly and tell us what your team is doing. This is a small group, a brand new small group, started to meet at my dad's place. And uh, if you could just really briefly tell us um, some of the exciting things that's happening for your group. Thank you. Um, we have decided that the project we would like to work on is to uh, spruce up uh, Campion Park. It's a park right in our neighborhood. It's right on the corner of uh, Campion and William. Uh, and I think we have a few other people that live on Williams, so it's uh, good to know that we can call on you to come out and help us. But that's what our intent is, to draw people from the neighborhood out, get together on a Saturday, clean the place up, and uh, end the day with a barbecue and some social fun. We've had Mike Pactican over to our home uh, with Lyle and Victoria, and we met and discussed it with him. Uh, he's putting us together something where we can work on. It'll likely be a two-year project, so this year we'll get the startup going. By fall, we'll know what can be done next year and what money the city will put in. The city's going to put in uh, tools and gloves and garbage bags and whatnot for the cleanup day. Uh, they said that they will likely get us a play structure, a jumping structure for the kids that come out that day. So it should be a lot of fun. It'll be good for the community. It'll good be very good for all of us. And uh, I've been on, or we've been on Lincoln now for nine years, and we've seen Campion Park just kind of be neglected. Uh, even just general cleanup in the spring, cutting the grass, we've seen the weeds in there, dandelions, you know, almost two feet high. So at least this way we can get out and have a good Saturday, get some people together, and see what we can do in our community. That's it. Fantastic. That's excellent. Excellent. Thanks. You're a good speaker, by the way. Want to do the last point here for me? <laughs> Thank you. So, amazing what happens when a group gets together. Did you ever think you'd have a city councilor in your home talking to you? I mean, it just blows your mind. You didn't think that, did you? I mean, it's unbelievable what happens when you make up your mind that you're going to function as a team to make a difference in this world. Do you know what? A few years back, Larry, um, Don Davidson, who was the... Was the um, was the was he the president of the PTA at Cecil Road School? Uh, he asked Anna Johnson and Gloria, and his wife Marilyn to to join them in uh, in helping make a difference in the school. And everybody in the school, including the principal, knew that they were from our church. And uh, as a team, they decided one day that they wanted to build a play structure, and so they linked arms together and became a team. And used their powers for good. And they actually built uh, a beautiful play structure that's in the school today. Almost every school in the, in the city has got a play structure, but ours didn't until these people from our church decided they were going to work together as a team. Now here's the thing, friends. One, one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. When you start working together as a team, your effectiveness, your power, your gifts are multiplied. It's not a matter of addition here, folks. We're talking about multiplication. It's amazing what happens when you link your hearts and your mind and your spirit and your bodies together with others. 
You can literally turn your world upside down. And here we're happening, having it happen through this small group. We're going to hear more about that on the 22nd of March. I, I'm so thrilled, so excited about that. What can you do? What are you going to do? What difference are you going to make in this world? I'm telling you, folks, God's called you and me to prepare for eternity by serving the people that we go to church with, by serving our community, by serving our world. That's why we, we had a fundraiser here for the homeless in the Philippines. Because we want everyone to experience and know the love of God. And the way that that happens is when you and I decide to serve together. I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads with me right now. Father, our desire, our longing is to please you. And as we read your word, we discover that your desire is to please us and bring joy to our hearts. And so your word gives us clear directions, clear instructions as to how it is that we can have amazing relationships. God, it's tempting for us this morning to think of other people who should be here to hear this sermon or to think of other people who, who, for whom that message would be so good but fail to recognize that it's for us. God, help us right now to internalize this and make it a sermon for, for us, for me. And God, if there's anybody that we've got disagreements with today, we, we pray for your grace and your strength to start agreeing with the people in our life and stop being miserable, stop being confrontational, stop being oversensitive. Help us, Lord, to realize that we can do nothing all alone. We need each other, and we want to learn to agree, to each other, agree with one another. Help us, God, to love each other, uh, and not just with words. We think of the, the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of poems that have been written over the centuries about love, and these are meaningless compared to one simple act of kindness done in the name of Jesus. God, help us to, to love as you loved. And God, we pray that you would help us to put on our gloves, get on our boots, and get out there and get serving, making a difference in this world. Because there's people that need to know Jesus. And we are the people you've chosen to use for that purpose. God, Use us, we pray, to make a difference in this world. We pray it in your name. Let's stand together and sing.